the sophistication so I can now create a believable video and a believable voice call. I see it's scale, creating convincing kind of phishing emails or convincing websites or news articles. I can do that scale with kind of perfect English or whatever language you wish to do it in. So anyone can now essentially be a criminal. Welcome to The Laundry, the podcast connecting AML, compliance and financial crime to the real world. I'm your host, Marit, and in this episode, we are asking, one year on, what is the impact of ChatGPT on financial crime? November 30th marked exactly a year since the launch of OpenAI's ChatGPT. Since then, we've seen a record 1 million users in just five days, now more than 180 million active users across the globe, and their first product has already become a verb. This is a faster explosion than anything we've seen since the dot-com boom. And despite boardroom fallouts and high-profile firings and rehirings, the company has changed the landscape when it comes to generative AI. This isn't a fad, it isn't going away. And it's going to alter financial crime and the fight against it in so many ways. So in today's episode, we are discussing how is the rise of generative AI impacting the compliance industry? What new threats does the rise of ChatGPT create in terms of financial crime? And how should AML and compliance professionals prepare for the future? To dive into this topic, I'm here with John Davidson, director at Ernst & Young, also known as EY. So welcome to The Laundry, John. Great to have you here. Thanks, Maria. Thanks for having me on. It's a real pleasure to be invited. It's great to speak to you and your listeners today on my, kind of my favorite subject. It's one of my favorite subjects too, but what should our audience know about you and your background in this area before we get into the conversation? Sure. Uh, yeah, before we get into it. So I've been in technology and analytics for about 20 plus years now. Started um, way back at IBM as a Java developer. I've been in financial crime for about 15 years. So I started at a kind of well-known FinCrime vendor. I then went uh into industry. So I spent a number of years at a kind of large investment bank where I looked after architecture and technology, their second line of defense. And now we're kind of applying that kind of vendor knowledge and industry knowledge at, um, at EY. So helping them understand financial crime, technology, and particularly this year, uh, generative AI. It must be such advantage then coming from, you know, developer as the original background and all the way now to this moment in time where AI is, uh, has such an impact. Yeah, well, as you said, kind of the start there, the intro, it's more than just kind of buzz and hype. I think being in technology for such a long time can be a bit of a, a techno cynic, let's say. But yeah, the Gen AI is definitely definitely more than hype. All right, but before we start, we wanted to let you know that the views reflected in this podcast are the views of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of the global EY organization or its member firms. So with that, let's dive into the conversation. So there is this Bill Gates quote that I like. It goes something like this, that you overestimate what you will be able to achieve in a year and underestimate what you'll be able to achieve in 10 years. And taking that into you now Gen AI and GPT, it's been a year. How many compliance and AML professionals have had their life dramatically altered due to this new technology? Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
So within compliance, I think there's been, there hasn't been a huge impact of generative AI this year, but you're absolutely right. In 10 years time, it's kind of, it's transformative. So the kind of the main topic for me at the moment, the main topic my clients are worried about are uh, the threats. So how generative AI is enabling criminals to almost kind of supercharge their criminal activities. There's also this kind of view of co-pilots. So how generative AI can be used to help augment the work of investigators. But I think we're just kind of at the cusp of that. It takes quite, it takes a lot to build AI systems. So I think it's going to take us a while to get to the point whereby organizations are looking at kind of restructuring around this kind of these AI capabilities, but it's, um, it's, it's definitely there. We can, they're happy to go into more detail on, on that. Yeah, so one year in, we are now talking more about the threats, and we will get on to that. But just bring it one moment back to, you know, the AML professionals. Have you ever encountered an AML professional who's actually using the OpenAI ChatGPT interface for their everyday work? For their every well, I think everybody's using it a bit, right? Maybe not using it for their everyday work. I think that, you know, AML professionals, if I think, you know, I, my head instantly goes to investigators, kind of KYC, TM, inv alert investigators. And they're, they're kind of relatively structured in how they do those investigations. So I don't think they're seriously using ChatGPT at the moment. And, you know, in some instances, you, you'd argue they shouldn't be using ChatGPT because they don't want to be pasting all sorts of kind of customer confidential information into a, a public site. Yeah, that's yeah. another uh, an other issue you're raising there because OpenAI, it's an American company in the US and uh, a lot of banks and financial institutions in Europe have to deal with the data privacy and the data shield. So it's not so easy to just start using this technolo technology with the sensitive customer data at all. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's a GDPR element there, but you know, for me, it's kind of, so when Google started its translate function, mm. so you'd have a whole load of people pasting internal documents into Google and trying to get a translation to you know, Norwegian or Danish or something and essentially publishing all these internal kind of confidential documents onto the public internet. So yeah, there's a data privacy concern around where the data is residing, but also a concern around people kind of publishing internal sensitive data within to, within a kind of external site so we need to be careful on that so at ey we, we do use kind of chat gpt which sort of, we have access to it but very careful to to only ask kind of relatively generic questions but so we also have an internal version which we can use kind of much more freely so at the start you said that the clients that you speak to, when talking about Gen AI, it's the threats aspect that's mm. most on the the agenda. Why don't, can't you tell us a little bit more about the conversations you're hearing? What are the threats that people are concerned about? Is it hypothetical ones in the future, or is it things that is ha yeah. that are happening right now already? So is this good news, bad news? So good news, we're not seeing new threats. There isn't some brand new threat that's kind of come out of the woodwork that's pure Gen AI. But the bad news is we have kind of supercharged the existing threats. And your question of are they real? They're, they're very much real. I guess in the UK, 
you know, the thing that brought to my attention was the kind of Martin Lewis deep fake. We want to emphasise again, just hold in your mind that this video is fake. Elon Musk presented his new project in which he has already invested more than $3 billion. Musk's new project opens up great investment opportunities for British citizens. No project has ever given such opportunities to residents of the country. So essentially it was a kind of fake investment scam where you know, there was an Elon Musk crypto investment you can put all your hard-earned dollars into. And they, they created a deep fake video of Martin Lewis, who is a, the, you know, the money-saving expert. He gives a, a lot of kind of public advice. And he's essentially endorsing this investment, very successfully managed to, uh, to draw people into investing in this scam. Uh, so, yeah, it's like supercharging existing threats. So we see it with kind of synthesized voices calls as well. So there's the, um, the, the lost phone scam, where your daughter or son is is away somewhere and you get a you get a voice call from them and they say you know I've lost my phone could you just send me a thousand pounds and I'll, I'll get a hotel room and then a and then a train back in the morning and obviously that's a you know it's a purely fake voice um so again you know, these scams did exist but now supercharged so it's at scale and just click of a button it's scaled to thousands and even millions or you know endless yeah i see yeah i think it's it's almost three things it's see is sophistication so i can now create a believable video and a believable voice call i see it's scale so creating convincing kind of phishing emails or convincing websites or news articles i can do that at scale with kind of perfect English or perfect whatever language you wish to do it in. And then third, I see it as reduced barriers to entry. So anyone can now essentially be a criminal. Uh, I heard a story about a 12-year-old being arrested this year for a kind of sophisticated smishing scam. Oh, really? So, <laughs> what, was, what was this scam? So a 12-year-old had thought about this scam. Yeah, absolutely. So they've gone oh. on to kind of the dark. So it's not just chat. So for me, it's not chat GPT. It's the dark web, right? So yeah. it's worm GPT and fraud GPT and poison GPT. And I'm sure, you know, there are there are many, many more now as well. And essentially, yeah, you can just download a smishing kit. So it'll write perfect English for you, injects whatever kind of uh, nefarious link into into that text message. And, you, you yeah, you can send out. It's almost a little bit worrying where we may have created a almost a new criminal persona of the kind of the bored teenager or maybe the coerced teenager, right? So some of the criminal gangs, here in the UK, there's a gang called County Lines gets a lot of attention and they use kind of teenagers to kind of traffic their drugs around and sell them. I wonder if Worm GPT and all these kind of criminal GPTs I've now created a, a workforce for the criminal gangs to kind of coerce teenagers into committing fraud for them. Yeah, and uh, easy, easy money for some teenagers. And yeah, they might not realize the full extent of what they're doing mm. either. I read somewhere that there is in the UK 59,000 individuals who are affiliated with organized crime groups. So, of course, these are includes youth or you know teenagers who are being used as money mules and so mm. forth so not just you know 
gang members per se, but everyone who has been brought into the organized crime group mix. And that's like a staggering number. So I can imagine this could be an enabler to keep that growing as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think we need to bear in mind with all the kind of the talk about technology and AI, just the kind of the humans at the center of this. So the kind of the motives and the intuition of the kind of the criminals and, and their targets. So if you flip it to the kind of the targets, do you have kind of Gen Z who are happy to put all of their personal data on the internet and any kind of app they download on their phone? So you're probably quite easy to steal their video and their voice. Then you have kind of the older generation are perhaps a little less connected, but maybe more susceptible to kind of pressure scams. And then I guess you can't forget your internal employees as well. There's a spike in kind of CEO fraud. So imagine not just, I don't just receive an email from the CEO saying, please, can you pay this invoice for me? I get a voice call from the CEO. I get a video call from the CFO. I get kind of text message from the relationship managers. Again, like supercharging these threats. We need to kind of think about how we can support the people, the people involved. Ownership is important at Strice. Our UBO maps are a signature feature for a reason. That's why it's crucial that our users should be able to amend and edit the ownership structures of a company the minute they get the new information. Strice's latest feature, Edit Ownership, does just that. You can edit ownership information all in a centralized location. Quick and accurate data management is key to making sound business decisions, especially with no loss to your workflow. Goodbye, outdated ownership data. Hello, AML intelligence. Nice! So obviously the criminals who now can use this tool, they don't sit around and like, oh, how will I be compliant with the upcoming AI act in the EU? But banks who are, you know, pointed as our line of defense against the financial crime, they need to worry about it. So how do you now advise your clients in their technology purchases and their technology decisions to both be on the front foot and kind of combat AI with AI, but at the same time needing to comply with more and more and stricter and stricter regulations. As I guess as I say, the first step has got to be to understand the threats and understand whether your existing controls are sufficient or not. And it doesn't necessarily mean you need an AI solution to fight those kind of AI threats. But you probably do need some sort of technology transformation. We're kind of working with um, a couple of clients on uh, like rethinking their strategy. Like what does it now mean that kind of Gen AI is available? Is it a pivot of the strategy or like an acceleration of the strategy? So, yes, I think the kind of the world of kind of AML, KYC, financial crime is been underinvested for a long time. So yeah, these Gen AI threats are they're kind of targeting maybe particularly weak controls in some places. So I think there's a there's a general uplift in technology required. But when you get to well actually can, can we use AI to either combat these threats or to increase the like efficiency and effectiveness of our financial crime teams? That's not a kind of a single step process. That's uh, you have to start with the foundations. If your data's not right, then 
It doesn't even, help that yeah. much to put an LLM on top of <laughs> exactly. some wrong data. Then you will just get a lot of hallucinations and just crazy, yeah, crazy yeah. stuff out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, don't don't <laughs> even bother starting on the journey if your data's not right. And you know, the, like the connectedness of the data as well. So speaking to kind of some compliance, so it's head of compliance uh, last week, who's talking about alerts that are out of context. So. If someone gets flagged as buying three red jumpers and some combat boots, like, what, what do I do with that? Like, <laughs> is that? Is that good or bad? It depends on, on the whole context. So you need to kind of sort out the data. There's probably an argument that says that you should kind of use AI to kind of fix your alerts first. So make sure you're not generating a whole load of kind of false positives. You can then move to kind of co-pilots and augmenting your investigators to help them kind of resolve those alerts kind of quicker and uh, more effectively. So, yeah, that's interesting, the specific examples you mentioned there. So if you were to give a head of compliance or MLRO on top three things they should look at with Gen AI mm. to start with, like what would be your top three picks? Oh, it's an interesting one. My top three picks, I would, maybe my top three categories. So the category one would be training. Yeah. I think it's super important to make sure your management board understand what Gen AI is and what it can be used for and what its kind of limitations. I think it's important for the kind of the technology teams to understand Gen AI and how to build it. And then ultimately you're then getting into the users and kind of building skills around kind of prompt engineering and things. The second category is what are the use cases to build? So, so I, I put together a list of use cases in a few days. I had 30 odd use cases just, you know, off the top of my head, really. Um, actually, with the, with the support of ChatGPT. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's but, good. We did a whole podcast interview with ChatGPT as a guest. Oh, so, right. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Oh, hopefully I can beat ChatGPT. So yeah, and then so I'm a big fan of uh, the Startup Way, which is the book by Eric Ries. Which um, so how do you then embed innovation in your organisation and kind of almost crowdsource those ideas? Because I don't think they're all going to come top down. And then the final tip is getting your organisation ready to be able to build AI. So yeah, the foundations you need to talk about. Kind of responsible AI as well. I think this is you know this is a, a big change. Kind of reminds me of that Jurassic Park quote about you know you never stop to think whether you, whether you should. Um, so we need to think about ethics and bias and kind of explainability of the models. And I think there's a there's a a longer conversation to have about the explainability of Gen AI because it's you know it's a deep learning model and therefore you know inherently doesn't. It doesn't fit well within our current models to, to uh, or our current methods to explain AI models. So then your categories, it's training and then, you know, use cases, ideation, and then go about them in the startup way. And then the explainability and responsible use of the AI. But let's mm. talk about a little bit more about the first category, training. 
because that touches upon people and these things. Do you meet resistance among the AML and compliance personnel that you meet? Because when it comes to AI, the narrative for a long time was like, AI can come for your job and no one kind of truly believed it. And then suddenly you have ChatGPT, which is such a strong use case. And that's like the first time you could really, everyone in the world could kind of see what AI could do and you could start imagining it, AI take your job. Do you feel a lot of compliance people are worried about their jobs? No, not at the moment. I think there's a general worry that AI will take people's jobs, but I haven't seen anything specific within compliance. Again, for me, Gen AI, it's more about automating tasks rather than taking people's roles. So you can imagine the time where your kind of co-pilots will take away all the tricky kind of admin oh, tasks. Oh man, I think for everybody you. wants like, to get there probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got car insurance, MOT, and things to do this month. So yeah, I would love like a, an AI co-pilot just to take care of all of that for me, give me back my afternoons and weekends. And ultimately, in financial crime, you have to have a human being disposition and alert. You can't have a computer say yes is suspicious or no isn't so there's you know there's always a there's always a job for uh, for a person there well i did hear a nice quote about um you know it's not ai that will take your job but it's someone who can use ai better than you will take your job so i think mm. it's key i really agree with that <laughs> yes yeah, yeah we often talk about uh you know internally at strice or our CTO and everyone is really good at like how not to miss the AI train. So, you know, and upskilling everyone if there's like something new breakthrough or something new being released or if someone has done a really use cool use case or all these things. But then we have one guy who's just like, can't miss the AI train if you're already on it. <laughs> so uh, kind of uh, in line with that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's key, again, for people to learn how to write a good prompt because mm. if you write a kind of a rubbish prompt in chat gpt you get you know you don't get a particularly good answer and you do kind of six or seven iterations to get to what you need yeah. it's important to understand the kind of the, the limitations of it but i wouldn't you know i wouldn't advise most people to go under the kind of the bonnet and and, and learn like how it works how kind of deep learning models work i don't think, I think that's particularly necessary i've quite happily had a mobile phone for kind of 20 years with no idea how it works under the covers. True. Yeah. But talking about Gen AI in financial crime prevention, we got to touch upon the regulators as well. What support do you see from the regulatory bodies across the globe in this matter? Are their stance helping banks accelerate their adoption or are they making banks more fearful because they feel it's even more demands on documentation, explainability, all these topics? Yeah, it's a good question. It's maybe kind of a bit of both. So most regulators are supportive of AI. So I spoke to kind of the FCA in the UK here. They're kind of very supportive of the use of AI. And they, they kind of see the positives. And I think the regulators themselves are starting to use some of these kind of AI technologies. And think of kind of synthetic data as well, where, where Gen AI could create data for you with known kind of criminal MOs in there. So yeah, I think they're supportive. I think on the flip side of that, obviously, you know, there has to be new regulation around AI. You can't just allow people to build kind of whatever they like because it, it will go wrong. And there's also, obviously, here in the UK, we have model risk management. That's kind of a fairly onerous documentation and kind of explaining what your models are doing. 
that's not stopping anytime soon. But again, maybe kind of generative AI yeah, could help that, right? So it can help you explain what your model's doing in kind of nice, plain, easy to read English. You can imagine the prompt of, you know, I am a 12 year old, please explain how this uh, model explain works. Explain it to me to like me. I'm 12. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. So let's look into the glass bowl and look to the future. So in the long run, will Gen AI be more of a problem or a solution for compliance teams, you think? Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so if I were to rephrase it. No, no, it's okay. No. So yeah, so if I had the crystal ball, I guess. Yeah, crystal ball. That's what it's in English. I said like glass ball. Oh, and oh, uh, yeah. That's what I understood. Better than my Norwegian. So yeah, so if I, I think I had the crystal ball, there needs to be a lot more awareness within the kind of the general public and within your colleagues and staff around the, to these new threats and the sophistication of them. So I'm, you know, I'm getting a lot more phishing emails now and a lot more getting through the, the spam filters. I think that is a worry. I think there's a step change there that, you know, we need to do something about. Because just relying on human intuition, I don't think is, is not going to solve the problem. But if I had this kind of magic wand, though, if we take kind of the opportunities and the co-pilots and push that forward 10 years, there's a lot of light at the end of that tunnel. So you could get to a point where everyone has a co-pilot, right? So you don't need to wait for it to go to your second line of defense compliance function to point out that... There's, there's a kind of clear criminal activity happening. So what if it's kind of just embedded within everybody's machine and like listening to all of your phone calls? So you know, I think we could get to the point where essentially you know, everyone's a risk manager. So we monitor kind of all of our clients everywhere, every time there's an interaction. So yeah, I think that could be a real positive for think uh, crime compliance. I agree. I also think there's light at the end of the tunnel and that in the long run there will be a lot of positive impacts with this technology, even though criminals have access to it too. But if you were to suggest any topic or the guest for the laundry, who do you think I should be speaking to and uh, about what? So topics... I think the kind of the human element is really interesting. I don't think many people are kind of covering that topic at the moment. So as I mentioned, the kind of motives and intuition. And I've been having a few conversations around kind of like behavioral science of financial crime. That would be a super interesting topic. I think going into the kind of the opportunities and the co-pilots, maybe talking to kind of some of the vendors about what they're creating and, and where that's going in the future. I mean, for me, those are two, two interesting areas. I guess the only thing left to do now is to ask ChatGPT to rate its first year and its impact on fighting financial crime. So here's what ChatGPT has to say about its performance in compliance the last year. ChatGPT primarily contributed to fighting financial crime in its first year by enhancing data analysis, providing training, and streamlining reporting serving more as an assistant to human experts. Considering these contributions and limitations, its impact could be rated around 6 out of 10. 6 out of 10? <laughs> well, <laughs> that GPT is not rating me. No, that's a G GPT rating itself. Yeah, So I guess it also okay. says that it has more, uh, more, to, more to do to in come, the future. Yeah. Yes. Okay, oh, that's good. <laughs> so with that, 
thanks chat GPT. And that brings this spin of the laundry to an end. John, thank you so much for joining me. Where can people find out more about you and connect with you? So the best way to reach out is uh, LinkedIn. Just search, yeah, John Davidson, uh, EY LinkedIn. I don't think we've had any guests who've said anything else than LinkedIn. so much for listening if you've enjoyed this episode don't forget to go check out the back catalog as i said we have an episode where we have gpt as a guest for the full episode and we also did a episode on gpt with the stry cto patrick which is also very interesting find the laundry on your podcast platform of choice or subscribe to our youtube channel please also leave a review we really appreciate it to get in touch with the laundry team you can comment on the strice linkedin page or email laundry at strice.ai or just connect with me on linkedin as well your host for this episode was me marit our producer was matthew dunn miles our engineers were Nicholas and Dominic. The laundry is proudly produced by Strice, the AML automation cloud. To find out more about us, visit strice.ai. See you next time. Make the world go